Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Hello, Mel. What would you like to talk to me about today? I would really love to talk to you about social events while being a widow. Oh, this is going to be an interesting topic because it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's totally different than it was before. You've had a significant life event happen. Your person is gone and you're grieving. Yeah, I think that most people find that they just don't want to go to social events for a good long while. Yeah, some of those reasons are because they don't want to answer questions from people. Yeah, and besides just answering questions, a lot of activities are a plus one social activity. So you're supposed to go with your plus one and your plus one is dead. So that is awkward. And sometimes we feel like we're the third or fifth or seventh wheel at one of those events and it just feels awkward or you're the fourth wheel and someone has tried to pair you up with the third wheel no i hadn't even thought of that no okay well let's go into this topic because this is something that we all face and it depends on the griever of course and your style and your energy level to be honest 
I know that for me, I, I was working in events for most of my adult life. And so I've been to a lot of things. It doesn't sound appealing to me to go to events and I have to really, really like muster up strength and courage and have a lot of caffeine just to get out the door if I'm not being paid to be there. Right. And so that's something where I have had to pick my battles and what I'm able to do. But I know that the first little while after Scott died, because Scott was in theater, they were doing tributes to him and I really wanted to be there to support. And so especially where that was for him, I felt duty, responsibility, and and I did okay at that for about a month. But as many people that listen to our podcast know, I quickly ran out of steam and then have been reclusive for a while. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with your pre-grief personality also. So you're kind of an ambivert. I think we've kind of established that you um, need downtime from being with people to recharge your internal batteries. And for me, I find that my batteries are recharged when I'm around people. So I find that if I do go to something that I usually feel better than I did before. Big caveat though, those people have to not be life suckers. If they are sucking the life out of me by asking questions or by being judgy, or if the event is something that just really highlights the loss, then that cannot, that can be opposite and can be depleting for me also. Okay. So question for you, you just mentioned it could be life sucking or energy depleting if people are asking questions. So sometimes we've had conversations where people don't ask questions and we feel bad. What are you talking about? So can, let's talk about what, what is the nuance here with that? Yeah, there is some nuance to it because we also, we also hate for the most part, I guess I shouldn't say everybody does. But when the loss is just like avoided and it's like the elephant in the room and people are not addressing it, but when it also becomes the only thing that people want to talk about and they want to ask you questions that are dumb questions, (laughs) like, for instance, are you thinking about dating again? Or I noticed that you're not wearing your wedding ring or, (laughs) you know, um, tell me about their, you know, the details of their death for people that you have no interest in, you know, talking about those things. Um, so I would say things that are kind of laced with judgment or that can be a little bit of a, a sensitive topic might not be a great thing when you're feeling like you're being peppered with those questions. Question, have you gotten questions that are pertaining to your kids and parenting that are also kind of bugging you? Um, People always, always, always just want to know, how are your kids doing? You know, that's just the question. My answer is, I don't know. (laughs) I haven't, I mean, there, everybody is here alive. We all have all of our limbs attached. So I guess pretty good. Um, I have had a few people ask some like parenting type questions that are a little bit like that's none of your business and, or suggestions on how I could be doing, I could be doing better. So, oh, that's fun. I'm sure suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm always like, hate that anyway. They're like, that's like the universal just don't. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Unless it's asked for, unless you say, Hey, you know, 
you're a really great parent. How would you deal with this situation? It's, you know, it's kind of the same about all things like advice is only really welcome when it's asked for, not when it's just given for no good, no good reason. Yeah. I mean, and that goes across the board. I know for us kidless widows, we don't want to hear, oh, you don't have any kids. So you're still young. There's time for you. I know that happened to me. And that was happening over and over and is one of the reasons why I was like, and I'm just going to stay in my basement for a while where it's controlled and nobody's going to be asking me those things or uh, making assumptions. That is hard for me. And, and yeah, you said I'm an ambivert and it's true. Like it depends on the audience. So if I go into a situation where it's a lot of energy vampires, I'm going to be toast for like three days after. But on the other hand, there are things that I've gone to where it's a group of safe people. And I I mean, you never know until you go there how it's going to be. But I've had some really good experiences when I do choose to go to events where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm glad that I went to that. And my first instinct was not to go. So like grief, it's kind of a crapshoot. Sometimes you you might not know what's going to be best for you, but it is important to pay attention to your energy levels and maybe have some little tips and tricks up your sleeve for if you do decide to enter the fray. So before we talk about those tips and tricks, something that you just said that I want to talk a little bit about is the idea of safe people. I think that we find along the way as we're interacting with our friend group is that there are people who are more adept at dealing with our grief than others. And it could be, you were really good friends with this person before your loss and they just, and nothing, it's not something that's bad about them, but some people are just more skilled at dealing with that. And as you kind of find your safe people, I think that it's um, good to try and spend time with those people. And when they give you the invite and you don't want to go remember that maybe they are in your safe group and that it might be an activity that turns out to be okay. A lot of these activities though, you have no idea because they're like school activities or, or, you know, work activities or things that you don't have a lot of control over who is going to be there. It's true. And I know for me, even those safe friends, that are still really good about reaching out, even though I've kind of fallen off the radar a lot. I know that they're going to be a safe person and they might reach out and say, hey, I miss you, do you wanna go to lunch? And when I have the energy and if I write back, I say, hey, I'm gonna be honest with you on how I've been doing and feeling because I haven't been doing very well. Or if I have been doing well, like I probably wouldn't have dropped off. So it's important to be honest with those friends so that they know where you're coming from, because if they are safe people, you know, they're not going to judge you. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those tips and tricks for when you find yourself invited or needing to go to some sort of a social event. Number one, give yourself a start and most importantly, an end time. Tell us more, Mel. I will tell you more. If you know that there is an end in sight, it's not going to feel like it's this open-ended scary thing that is going to last all night and you're going to be abandoned and you're going to be trapped. So that's helpful hint number one. Helpful hint number two is if you can drive yourself, you might be glad that you had your own vehicle and your own method of transportation so that you can get out if you need to. So number three is 
have an ally with you and talk to them about your concerns before you go to that event. If you've got somebody who you can be honest with about how you're feeling, you can let them know about your concerns and also what your escape plan is. So that if you have something that's going wrong, you don't have to explain during that time, but you can just leave when you need to leave. Number four, if you feel trapped and you don't have a safe person with you, have somebody that you can text or call and you can always leave the situation, go to the bathroom, calm yourself down. If you have any techniques that help you to calm your nervous system down, such as emotional freedom tapping or similar, just have those on hand. There's a really great app called Tapping Solutions that could help you and the exercises are like 10 minutes long. So you could just have a really long bathroom break. But you're my favorite kind. (laughs) I know, right? Isn't that like just where you go to like get away from people? Yes. Number five is to have a plan A and a plan B. So plan A is if I'm feeling really great, then this is what I'm going to do. If I'm feeling really terrible, then this is what I'm going to do. So you have direction and you can go either way when the moment gets to you. Number six, if you really, really need to go to something and you really, really don't want to go to something, I find that the barrier is getting dressed. So once you're dressed, maybe you can make it there. Yeah. And remember, sometimes it helps you to go to those things. You're know, that's the hard thing. This is all a big experiment and you don't know how it's going to go if you never try. And that sucks sometimes because it would be easier sometimes to just stay where you are. But how do you know if you don't dip your toe in the water every so often? I don't know. And number seven, remember that your thoughts are going to create the environment of what your experience is. If your daily thought process around the event is, I don't want to go to this. I don't want to go. I can't go. This is going to be the worst. You're kind of creating that reality for yourself. Now, PTSD and grief triggers are very, very real. So if you are in one of those, sometimes acknowledging your thoughts is not as helpful when you just need to get yourself to a baseline, like heart rate, calm down, all of those things. So be mindful that those two things are very, very different. Number eight, this is my favorite one. Get really good at the Irish goodbye. (laughs) What is that? Oh, it's the best. It's if you go to a party and you don't feel like going around and saying goodbye to everyone, you just leave. (laughs) okay so that's just the runaway option we just use that a lot I know that we've used it a lot in in theater circles and musician circles where you show up to the party and then you say hi to people you're seen and then you just leave you don't have to tell people goodbye just leave who cares okay guys do you have any to add to our list of tips and tricks we want to hear about them If you do comment below or comment in the Widow Wives Club on Facebook, and if you are not yet a member, please join us on Facebook, answer all the questions. It's a private group. It's so amazing because everybody who is there belongs there and we can just talk and support each other really honestly. And if you have any social events coming up, we hope that these tips and tricks will help you. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We are two young widows avoiding social activities sometimes. And we're both trying to help you figure out Widow. We do now. (laughs) 
This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what well, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.